Welcome everyone to Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host Jordan Ron on ESPN, ESPN.com. And you look at the Giants right now, and that's what we're going to do. You're talking about a 1-7 team. They lost this Monday night. A pretty good performance aside from the quarterback. We'll get to that in one second. They lost to the Bucks 25-23. Some questionable calls. Some poor quarterback play that ultimately probably cost them that game. And we, you know... We usually do the the good, the bad, and the WTF. And when they lose, we start with the, the bad. But this week, we're actually going to jump to the next level. We're going to start with the WTF, right? Because something's happened in this game that I'm sort of almost reaching my boiling point here with Daniel Jones. Now, I'm not completely off the bandwagon yet where I'm saying this guy can't be good. right? Because I came into the season probably leaning towards the fact of you know, I saw enough that rookie year where I thought he could take some make some strides in year two and the Giants would have their quarterback. Now, I don't know if he would ever be a top 10 quarterback, but at least they had a quality, serviceable quarterback in my mind. Now I'm questioning that even because the turnovers, the WTF of this is the turnovers. I mean, I, I you don't even know what to say at this point. 35 turnovers in 20 starts. Nine straight games with at least one turnover. Most, the longest streak in the NFL. Seven touchdowns and nine interceptions this year. Four fumbles. So you're talking about seven touchdowns produced compared to 13 turnovers. That's almost a one to two ratio of touchdowns to turnovers. You're supposed to have at least in today's NFL, if you're a half decent quarterback. You're supposed to be producing two touchdowns for every turnover. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is 21 t- touchdowns to one interception. I don't know what his rushing touchdowns are and, and, and fumbles, but you're talking about a guy who's probably like at least 15 to 1. Jones is 1 to 2. The game is set up today for these quarterbacks to have success and to do it rather quickly. Like comparing Daniel Jones in his first couple years, to Eli Manning in his first couple years, that's almost null and void because they're all, they're playing a different game. The game changed. Quarterbacks are more ready now. They're, they're basically playing pro offenses. The spread offense has made its way into the NFL. So a lot of the concepts are similar. The rules are set up for them to succeed. And not only is Daniel Jones not succeeding this year, because it would be hard to be successful because we have to concede. The pieces around him are insufficient. They're not good. We know that. You just wanted to see some things that show you he's making strides. And to be quite honest with you, Monday night was just another example where there's a lack of tangible evidence. Now, granted, I thought that was the worst game Jones has played probably this season, maybe in, up there in his career. I mean, he was missing throws that he normally doesn't miss. I'm going to – I'll even be willing to excuse him on those, right? Let's put that aside. There was a lot of throws in that game. Guys were running wide open the whole game. He missed a deep throw to Slayton. He missed a deep throw to Shepard. I know the the announcers blame that. uh, Brian Greasy blamed that on on Shepard for kind of slowing down. But whatever it is, there was a lot of those instances. I mean, guys wide open. I went went back and looked at the tape because we'll get to Golden Tate in a minute. He could – you know, the, the, he was clearly frustrated with his targets and his playing time. But I went back and I thought, oh, Golden Tate's going to be – there's going to be a lack of separation. Most of these times he's going to be covered. No, he's running free the whole day also. There was w- open receivers everywhere, and Jones missed him. So I'm going to be willing to put that aside say, hey, chalk it up, dude. That was a bad day for him. But I can't do that for the turnovers. You just can't do it. How can you do that for some of those turnovers? Those were too awful awful interceptions the kind of interceptions that you're saying to yourself he needs to improve on we've seen them before this play is dead there's nobody there throw it out of bounds throw it into the ground at golden tate's feet on his first interception the second one don't even throw the ball at all it made zero sense the second one was to golden tate the first one was Sterling shepherd i think i mixed them around but anyway you get the point i mean those were two interceptions that we've seen over and over again. And you're wondering, you're saying, this is, this is supposed to be a smart guy. 
a guy who understands the game, and yet you're telling him sometimes the play is dead. Throw it away. Kind of like that. even that interception near the goal line, I believe it was against the Rams. It was like first or second down. You don't need to force the ball into a tight window there in those spots. This was a second down play, I believe, his second interception. Second down play. Second and five. It's all right. You don't have it. Throw it just five yards in front of you, short of the receiver's feet, so it looks like it's it's in somebody's direction. I mean, it's, this is basic quarterback stuff. The fact that he's making the same mistakes and not being able to correct them is troubling. Like, something in his brain is getting scrambled eggs in the middle of the play, in the middle of the games. Why? Why is that? And to me, it always goes back to the one concern that I heard probably the most of him coming out is the pocket presence. It just doesn't seem to be there. And so the questions each week that we're going by, we're eight weeks, we're midway through the season for the Giants. That it's not being answered makes you wonder if he is the quarterback for this team for the future. And I think it's fair to question that. And I understand there's people on both sides. Because on one side, you see the flashes. Look at that final drive. The throw he makes to Golden Tate that gives him a chance to tie. There's the beauty in that. The next play, he's got to complete that pass to Deion Lewis. The idea in that play is to throw it at the pylon. Look how far inside he threw that ball, even after he hitched and hesitated. So there was so much wrong with that play that should have been an easy two-point conversion in the NFL. Easy. And it was. So... Add that on top of the two turnovers, which are just happening over and over and over again. And it's wearing you down that you, anybody who has the idea after watching what they've seen this season, that maybe, maybe he's not the guy that, or definitely he's not the guy. I'm not going to argue with you. You fully have enough evidence to say, I'm worried. And I do too. Like, I'm reaching a boiling point here. Play a clean game. Don't have a turnover. Be extra cautious one week, for God's sakes. I mean, he gave him 10 points. He gave the Bucks 10 points. Giants should have won that game. I really do believe that on this week and this week only, that this game, if you put Colt McCoy in and he didn't make any mistakes, doesn't make any splash plays either, does okay, moves him up and down the field a few times here or there, gets him some points. The Giants' first touch, I remember, it came because they got the ball inside the red zone of a, a fumble recovery. Like, he could have produced 23 points against that Bucks team in that day, probably more, and not committed those two costly turnovers, which gave the Bucks 10 points, which gave them that game. So now the Giants sit at 1-7. Let's go through some of the other bad that's going on with this team right now. Golden Tate situation. Let's let's review this for a second. He's clearly unhappy and frustrated with his role. He hasn't been playing a ton. Remember, he's a third receiver on a team that probably plays three receivers in the compared to the other teams in the NFL, bottom five, third, three receiver, 11 personnel team. So his role is clearly diminished. This is a guy who, remember, made a pro ball, been a starter his entire career, has produced pretty consistently everywhere he's been. Seattle, uh, Detroit, Philadelphia was there half a season, didn't work. Uh, even with the Giants last year when he played, consistent production. This year, it's clear the Giants view him as their third receiver when everyone's healthy. Slayton and Sterling Shepard are one and two. Tate's going to be number three. He's not really part of the future. We know that his contract, $9 million next, $8.5 million next year, He's probably not, he's not going to make it to that. He's going to end up getting cut. You got to be realistic about that situation. So he's frustrated. He's frustrated he's not seeing targets. He's frustrated he's not on the field a ton. He's not being able to produce like he has in the past. You can see it on the field. I went back and watched every one of his routes. He was open plenty. When he didn't get the ball, you saw a lot of stomping around, throwing his hands in the air, clearly unhappy. And then when he scores a touchdown, actually when he catches both passes, it looks like he says, throw me the ball. Straight to the camera. So, not happy. His wife then posts something on Instagram. 
you could sense the the frustration there. Go read that. She pulled it down. She knew he was going to get mad. Basically, she says that he's going to kill me. Probably make me delete this, which I didn't end up having. It got deleted. Next thing you know, Golden Tate is not a practice on Wednesday, Joe Judge says. He's not a practice. Wouldn't say it's discipline. We all know it's discipline. And Thursday at practice, Golden Tate's standing there most of the time, not running many routes. He's probably... I'm guesstimating based on the evidence I've seen so far. I'd be really, really surprised if he played this week. Something will probably come out with that in the next day or so. But, hey, so he basically is getting benched for his petulant behavior. And uh, that's that. So that's a mess right now. But I just want to go back to one thing with Golden Tate. Just think about how bad that signing was. We Everybody knew it from the start. They signed a 30-plus-year-old Golden Tate. After getting rid of Odell Beckham Jr., in large part for culture purposes, clear out the locker room. So you bring in Golden Tate, who's had his issues elsewhere a little bit. Nothing crazy, but you knew this was a possibility. These kind of little things. Frustrated if he didn't get the ball, that kind of stuff. So Dave Gettleman signs him. Pays him more, way more than any team is going to give him. Right? Any other teams give him, pays him handsomely, about $9 million a year. It's like, I think it's four years, $37 million was the exact numbers. All right? What, what happens? Golden Tate then goes and gets suspended for uh, performance-enhancing substances to start last year. He now basically has gotten disciplined by his coach in year two, right? His contract wasn't worth it in the first place. And you have a 30-plus-year-old receiver on a team where, and then you look from a football perspective, he plays the same position as Sterling Shepard. It didn't make sense in the first place. So that that signing has been, was such an abject disaster from the start. It's just an awful move by Dave Gettleman. Like, added to the list, right? His biggest personnel moves in his first two years as general manager was essentially getting out of the Google tree to be the middle linebacker, getting his left tackle to be Nate Solder, and signing Golden Tate to be the replacement for Odell Beckham Jr. I mean, three just disa- turned out to be disastrous moves. And just the wrong moves for a team that, quite frankly, should have been rebuilding. That's putting aside all draft decisions, by the way. Now, let me say one thing about Golden Tate. People who think because they signed, they claim Dante Pettis off waivers, that Golden Tate's all of a sudden going to be cut. I've talked to people... In and around the team, Golden Tate's not getting cut right now. Something more would have to happen in order for the Giants to get to that point. He's still a weapon that they could use. He's still a guy who can produce. He has, I believe, 22 catches on 27 targets this year. 29 targets, sorry. Scored a touchdown, a pretty, a fairly 19 and 36 yards, I believe, in the past two games. Uh, so when they target him in the last two games, he's produced again, even though he's been limited with his routes run, with his uh, opportunities. But still, they're not going to trade him. That's based off conversations I've had so far. I mean, sorry, they already went past the point of being able to trade him. Trust me, they would have traded him if they could. But that salary is untenable. Teams don't want that. So, I mean, what would you get for a guy who's basically a rental who's 32, probably a little bit on his downside, not much. So the fact that you would maybe get a seventh rounder, even if a team wanted him, but that would only be if his salary wasn't $4.5 million. No team's picking up that $4.5 million in salary. So that's why he's here. That's why Kevin Zeitler's here. Those are big salary numbers, especially because next year the cap is either gonna, it's not going to go up like it has in the past. Remember, we're in a pandemic. So teams want to carry over that money. So they don't want to take take on extra money this year, the five, the four and a half million for Tate, the five million dollars, six million dollars that it would cost for the rest of the year for Kevin Zeitler. For rentals, essentially. So that wasn't going to happen. That's why the Giants stayed put at the trade deadline. Those guys weren't really tradable. Uh, One in seven. This is another bad. This is the Giants records at the midway point the last four years. One in seven, two in six, one in seven, one in seven. You can't even pretend... Did I say pretend? You can't even pretend 
that the season, like there's hope in them making the playoffs or anything by the middle of the season. So by October, they're done. Like done, 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 done. Like not even like you can pretend. Like I don't care. The division is historically bad. You can't even pretend they're part of, they have a chance. You can't. That's depressing. Uh, Another bad, I mean, Wayne Gallman ran the ball pretty well. I just, it's hard to comprehend that the Giants felt the need to throw in Alfred Morris. Yes, that Alfred Morris. For, I believe it was 20 snaps compared to Gallman's 30. Like, Wayne Gallman was running well. Like, there's no need for us to go and see Alfred Morris. Just let Wayne Gallman go. Let him play. Let him play. He was averaging close to four yards a carry. Alfred Morris came in average close to three yards a carry. I mean, to, and to be quite honest with you, I'd almost rather give the ball as a running back, he's a converted running back, to Eli Penny than Alfred Morris. I, I think, honestly, Eli Penny might have more burst at this point than Alfred Morris. Like, I, 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 there's, there's no reason for that. So... Let's let Wayne Gallman play. If Devonta Freeman doesn't play this week, I want to see more Wayne Gallman. Come on. Enough already. All right. I'll give you some good before we go on to the next segment. We're going to talk a little bit. I'm going to, I'm going to replay uh, a segment I had with the Michael K. Show. We'll talk about it in a second. In regards to whether a question I asked and the, the topic is whether they should bench Daniel Jones. I'll get to that in a minute. But let's just go over a little bit good of the good first. The defense, I thought... They played four of the six games against backup quarterbacks. Defense isn't great. They have their weak points. We all know that. I thought that Tom Brady would expose them. And the defense did really well. They had him out of sorts. It was impressive. Like, you like what you've seen so far from Patrick Graham, the schemes that they've used, the multiplicity on defense, the way that they threw basically the kitchen sink at Tom Brady. Every look that they could think of. Every coverage that they could think of, they pretty much threw at Tom Brady. I mean, Logan Ryan said he was playing in the middle of the field, like basically trying to play mind games. And the Giants have done a really good job at that. I mean, they're a middle-of-the-road defense. They're not great. They maybe might be a little better than slightly than average right now. But this is progress. They have made progress. Now, granted, they have more talent than last year. Think about it. They have Leonard Williams for a full season, Dexter Lawrence in his second season. They subbed out Blake Martinez, for Alec Ogletree, huge upgrade. They subbed out uh, James Bradbury for a disgruntled Janaris Jenkins, who eventually was off the team. They got rid of um, Antoine Bethay, and they subbed him in with Logan Ryan. I mean, those are significant upgrades. So they should be better. But you just like the direction they're heading with that team. Leonard Williams... Another positive, making the most of his opportunities. Look, his pressure percentages and all those numbers, like the next-gen stats, they're probably down. But when he does get the opportunity, you got to give him credit. He's making the most of those plays. He has four quarterback hits. I mean, eight quarterback hits and, and has sacks on four of those. So he's making the most of his opportunities this year. I give him credit for that after a half a sack last year. So Leonard Williams, you like what you're seeing there. The offensive line playing better. Andrew Thomas had a, had a better game. Nick Gates really making that progress at center. I think the Giants really do believe that they have their, their center for the next few years. And Nick Gates, you've seen him. You have to remember, he had never played center in his life in a game prior to week one this year. Because not even in there wasn't even a preseason. There wasn't even joint scrimmages to do it in. Like, so the first four games was really like his preseason. Because he would have played a ton in the preseason. A guy who had never played center before. So you like that offensive line. You like some of what you've seen. Shane Lemieux, up and down, but you liked what you saw from a run-blocking perspective at least. Matt Pert, again, in limited playing time, did well. So the offensive line has made strides in recent weeks. Wayne Gallman ran the ball well when he, when he was in there. Like The offensive line is improving. So you want them to continue to trend in that right direction. And Sterling Shepard, he's a difference maker when he's on the field. You can just see he's a guy that you know when he plays – like, he can win at the line of scrimmage. He can make some plays. He just does good things. He adds to their offense. He's not a great player, but he's a quality player in the NFL. A quality weapon, a quality receiver. 
You put him next to a, a really good uh, or a, a good number one. I mean, he's going to eat. Obviously, staying healthy is is a problem there, but that that's what you want to see. So, there were some positives to take from that, and everybody, Joe Judge, about as much positive as you could see from the head coach, and I, and you, you just talk to people about Joe Judge. You talk to him personally. And you just listen to Logan Ryan's story the other day. You see, when, when Joe Judge talks to you, there's a human personable side to it. You want, you believe, you can believe what he's saying. You want to believe what he's saying. Just the way he does it, his approach, his honesty, even if it's, he's giving you negative information, is, it, it just, done in a way that gives you confidence that he could be that guy. And then you see the team, I mean, they're, they're fighting hard, and I hate saying that, and it's a whipped cream on poop when you're sitting here and you're saying, oh, they're 1-7, but you like that they're competitive, and especially in the NFL when almost every game, is, except for the Jets games, are competitive. But you know, they, there is a lot of positives to take from Joe Judge so far. Now, what we're going to do is, instead of an interview this week, I'm going to play, uh, they had me on as a guest on the Michael K Show, Three to seven every day, weekdays, 98.7 ESPN New York. Don LaGreca, the great Don LaGreca, co host of the show, should have his name on the show, in my opinion. I, I know Don would not argue with that. Michael might, but anyway, going off track here. Don, and look, I'm complimentary of Don, even though he said this. He called my question to. Joe Judge, the stupidest question ever. Now, what I asked Joe Judge essentially was, what do, you, what, what do you say to Daniel Jones when he continues to make the same foolish mistakes during the game? And is there a point where you would consider taking him out if he continues to make these same mistakes? And John, Don considered that the stupidest question ever. Didn't know it was me at the time. Not that that should matter. His opinion should be based on the question, not who asked the question. So I appreciate it. His honesty. I disagree. I think there should be a point where Daniel Jones, if he continues to make the same mistake, if he goes in there this week and in the first half throws two interceptions against Washington and they're foolish and he should have thrown the ball away, I have no problem, none whatsoever, with Joe Judge pulling him out of the game, even if that's a sacrifice the rest of that game, and saying, look, you can't do this. This is not going to be acceptable. That it's important to hold him accountable, just like he will everyone else on the team. Like Isaac Yadam, he went and started a cornerback. He was getting his butt kicked. Judge held him accountable. They pulled him out. He wasn't starting anymore. Ryan Lewis, he was in. Corey Ballantyne to start the season. Same with him. You're not performing, you're out. If you continue to make the same mistake, you're out. Now, do I want Daniel Jones to start the remaining eight games? Yes, I do. Do I want his, the, the quarterback evaluation is crucial, crucial to this team. But it doesn't mean Daniel Jones shouldn't, under any circumstance, be taken out and benched in the final eight weeks of this season. Everything should be on the table. So, here, listen to this segment with the Michael K. Show. On to the next one. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Now I, I turn the show over to Don. Uh, Don uh, was very, very upset at a question to um, Joe I have Judge to admit, I was upset too. I, the first time we brought this okay, up, I have to admit. Okay, all right. The two of them. Very upset about a question that was given to Joe Judge. Did you think about benching? Daniel Jones, and we found out that that question was asked by, I think, an insanely handsome guy who works for our company, hmm. Jordan Ronan, and covers the Giants for us. And now, Don, why don't you take this over? Because we have Jordan on the line. Hi, Jordan. It's Don. How are you? Butters me up, and now Don, Don will hit me you know, with a blow here. Because okay. when I heard that question, I'm like, that's one of the stupidest questions ever. And then they told me that it was you, and it surprised me because I think you're <laughs> outstanding at what you do, and I don't think you're stupid at all. But what, what was the logic behind that question? You're not benching Daniel Jones. For what? Colt McCoy? 
in a game that's, I mean, Don, that's winnable? It, it, look, I wouldn't. Do, I'm not saying I would have done it, or at any point I would have done it. First of all, I wasn't just talking in game. I was talking also moving forward. Like at some point, if Joe Judge is going to stand up there and a pre and preach accountability, and then you have a quarterback who continues to make the same mistakes over and over. I mean, Don, the numbers are crazy. 35 turnovers and 20 starts. Nine straight starts with a turnover. He has seven touchdowns produced this year compared to 13 turnovers. That's one to two turnover to touch. I mean, touchdown to turnover ratio. You want at least two to one the other way. So, like, are you saying that you can't hold him accountable at any point? I could hold him accountable, but what's benching doing for him? All right, you're you're one and you're at the time one and six. You don't have a viable backup, meaning that he's going to help you a win the game or b forward your organization at all. Doesn't he have to learn how to correct it? How does benching him help him? So if you keep throwing it at him and doing the same thing over and over again and trying to fix it the same way, is it all of a sudden going to work? Well, when he's I mean, still it, playing, are we, are we look? I'm not. I personally would definitely not bench him mid-game, especially in the fourth quarter there. Right. But I was also getting at, okay, would it, would it be something you would consider going forward at times? If, if Daniel Jones is having a terrible day, right, and he's turning it over left and right, he's getting pummeled, he looks awful, and he's costing the other 50-plus guys any chance to win a game that day. And ultimately, Colt McCoy would give them a better shot of winning just by not turning the ball over. It, you you don't think that it, that's a, that that's something he should consider? Well, no, because last night's an example of the problem of Daniel Jones, where bad interceptions at bad times, inexcusable mistakes, and yet they're a two point conversion away from tying one of the best teams in football and going to overtime. So there's still value in everything he does. That still there's still, also value still in gives not them a chance it over. to you win, not giving up ten free points. I mean, but, but there's you know. There's a lot of great quarterbacks that have been benched over the years. John Elway was benched. Uh, Eli Manning, remember when he played the Ravens that rookie year? He, he was like, I don't even remember. Was he four of like 13 or because something he, yeah, like he had that? A, against the Ravens, he had a 0.0 quarterback rate. <laughs> they benched him because for the benefit of the team, I mean, it was they, they just couldn't continue to throw him out there. But, but how does well, sitting down, well, Jordan, how does sitting down Jones benefit the team? They have to find out what this guy's about before they make right. a future decision about him. They're not well, about winning a, games would, this year. A it would a it would preserve him. I mean, you know, of, of embarrassment of like uh, of, of sitting out there and just continuing to turn it over. Oh, I mean, oh, Jordan, you're really exaggerating the issue. Uh, how am I exaggerating the issue? Because you, like, over and over and over again, and yet you still but you, the game. you still have a team. You still have a player that went toe-to-toe with one of the best teams in football and still still had a chance to win the game despite the mistakes. You're bringing up Eli Manning against Baltimore. He had a 0.0 quarterback rating. Rex Ryan was on the sidelines and told the story. He was afraid that Eli was going to get killed. There's never been a moment that Daniel's been so bad you were afraid of his well-being. And there's, there's never been one moment where you would have said they would have won that game if Colt McCoy was in. At least with the that's Eli that's stuff, not- Kurt Warner was replacing him. Kurt Warner, I granted, is obviously a better player. That was not Kurt Warner, uh, Super Bowl Kurt Warner. No, I mean, that's a good point. No, but it was but it was Kurt Warner that had the team win five of their first seven games. Do you think the Giants' record be any different if Colt McCoy was their quarterback? It's not a it, look. This isn't ultimately about winning games and, and going making the playoffs. This is about you know preserving this guy who you want to be your franchise quarterback. It could do him more damage to be out there. And continually turn it no, over, no, over and over no, again, no, especially no. against against the defense. Yeah, but he's turning the ball it's, over, it's, it's Jordan. But I don't, I don't think he's embarrassing himself. No. Matter of fact, he overcame the turnovers I, and 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 actually led them on a drive that almost tied the game. He also did basically. He, look, let's be honest. He cost them that game. They would have won the game if he sure. played a decent game. And if I get it. Played, and you know he, what? He didn't and, turn and, the ball over. They would have won that game. They outplayed I, no, them. I agree. They he cost them the game. They did a great job on Brady. It wasn't him outdueling Tom Brady. No, but it was he, the defense he, doing a good job against Tom Brady. Right, but he also, you know, he also it was like he was share marching them up and down the field the whole time. I he, don't know. Look, it's more along the lines of Mike Tannenbaum is that keeps basically asking me this every single time I've been on with him in the past couple of weeks, and it's at what point are you going to hold the quarterback accountable for making the same mistake over and over and over again? And according to you, apparently, I don't. I don't think you. I don't think you have a breaking point. 
If he just continued to Not make the same mistake over and over again. Look, I agree Jordan. with you on this point. Hold on. I agree with you on this point. This whole season is basically about two things. Joe Judge establishing his program and culture, right? And number two, developing Daniel Jones and seeing what you have and giving him an opportunity. I'm not saying I, I would do it. Right. I would start him all 16 games if it's me. Like that, my, no, Their number one goal this year should be, hey, we have to see what we have at this quarterback and develop. But it, Joe Judge also has to sit there and look the locker room in the face at times and say, I'm going to hold you, Corey Ballantyne, accountable. I already benched you. You, Isaac Yadam, I already benched you. You know, he, he's running through cornerbacks like no other. Andrew Thomas, I benched you because you had a, you know, whatever happened, someone had a flat tire or whatever it was. And, no, you, the quarterback, you could, you could just continue to make the same mistake. I'm not going to touch you. That's a fine line you walk right there. Well, without you, but, but, but it's different in every other position where you can be in and out. There's always a backup that gets a chance to play. Benching your quarterback, and, and then how does it benefit him? Like because he's got to play through this. He's got to learn. They've got an excellent opportunity here for eight games for him to try to get better in a season that's already lost anyway, right? You're one and seven. So the wins and losses really don't matter at the end of the day as long as they develop this quarterback to get better and stop these things from happening. You want to win games, obviously, and I think he can win some. And I think they got some wins on the table, Jordan. I think this team could still win four, five games by the end of the season. I think I could think they can very easily win next week. In Washington. I agree with you. I, I do think they're going to end up winning the yeah, Ravens. So, but Don, but, Don, let's say they get to play the Ra- they're, they're playing the Ravens later this year, right? They're totally overmatched in that game. They're playing poorly. Daniel Jones is getting pummeled and turning the ball over left and right. He has three turnovers by the middle of the third quarter. You, you, it's off the table. You well, can't bench well, you can't the, reason I, the reason I thought it, the question was ill-advised, he, he wasn't approach? beaten up. See, you're 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 bringing up getting beat up where you're fearing for his safety. I, I never feared for his safety last night. Now, if he's playing Baltimore and he's getting sacked seven, eight times, and you're like, we're going to get this kid killed. Let's get him out of here. We're losing 35-3. to three. He's not going to learn how to not throw interceptions by getting pummeled by one of the best defenses in football. That's a different story. Right, we, we have no, to break. What, what I was right getting at. Sorry, go ahead, Michael. Go ahead. You finish up, Jordan, because we have to what, break right after what this. I, what I was getting at was, is there a breaking point? Is there a point where he would consider – if he continues to make the same mistakes over and over again of taking Daniel Jones out of a game. Okay, we agree to disagree. But I, I do love you, and I think you're great at what you do. Wow, that was nice. Oh, I appreciate it. Thank I, you, Jordan. I, I, got, I, I got to piss Don off to get on the show, though. I mean, That's that, right. That's the way it works. That's the way I don't it works. It's very hard to get on the show. I mean, you, you, <laughs> you didn't get on Letterman just by you know, saying, can I be on? So, yeah. And also, Jordan, I'm going I'm to defend you here, too. Even if we didn't like the question, that's the one cut that's being played over and over and over again. So you got the answer. No, and not only that, I'll tell you what, I think Jordan made a compelling point here. Uh, much more than I thought when Don and I were just, you know, agreeing with each other. I, I, I hear the argument that... But it's only compelling if he's embarrassing himself. He has yet to embarrass himself. He's making the same mistakes over and but over. I see well, why well, not embarrassing well, threat, himself. Michael, the threat of benching could be useful. I mean, I, I think it's kind of embarrassing to have 35 turnovers and 20 starts. The only no, person you want to give the Peyton Manning so? years done worse than that is Ryan Leaf. Yeah, but yeah, the guy but who had Manning the same threw, amount as Peyton Manning. Yeah, Peyton Manning threw 34 interceptions his first 20 games. It's also a very different game. We also we well, it was different. For, it was I mean, also different for Leaf. So I mean, we, you, know, yeah, you can make exactly. numbers. That means, but you want. nobody in the last 10 years has even come close to this. When the game is completely tilted towards quarterback, Jordan, do, Jordan, do you want to pay our bills? For them to be Jordan, more successful, we quicker. have commercials to and run. Look at the success a lot of these we guys have. We have commercials to run. We have to pay bills. <laughs> Thank you, Jordan. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any 8-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature 8-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Okay, we did enough screaming and yelling in this episode, so we're going to tone it down a bit. And I'm going to answer all your deepest, darkest, 
Giants questions in a Giants after dark. We're going to start with Tony Thomas. He asks, is the issue the owners and who they are hiring as general managers, as it was from 64 to 80, is the question the GM, as you seem to suggest, as someone who has been a fan since the 1950s, scary that we might be re-entering the dark ages forever. Is there any hope? I actually think the Giants are pretty much, they've already, I, I, you know, usually say, you know, we don't, you, you probably didn't hit rock bottom yet. I think they have hit rock bottom. I know the record is the same, but I still think they're at least trending in a better direction than they were like last year or two years ago. Like, I think the Giants are okay. Joe Judge, I think they have the right guy. If they could pair him with the right general manager, I think there is reason for hope. I mean, look at the way the Giants are playing. You look at their schemes. There's a lot to like, the way uh, Joe Judge is handling a lot of the stuff that's come at him this year. And look, there has been some issues that came at him so far. He had a bench Andrew Thomas, the rookie first-round pick. He is dealing with Golden Tate right now. Uh, he had a deal with the some of his star players getting caught on video without masks in public during a pandemic, and he's dealing with the whole pandemic thing this year. So I think there's reason to be optimistic right now. I really do. I don't. I don't think you should be sitting here right now saying, "Holy cow, there's we're going to hit further depths." It's going to keep going and going and going. I think we're the Giants are about to get out of this right now. Maybe I'm buying too much into Joe Judge, and he he's got the uh, pendulum you know swinging back and forth in front of my face, and he has me in a zone, and I, I can't get out of it. But I, I don't know. I, I I have some optimism. At Allen Gold four question number two, he says, "Hey Jordan, please tell us why two consecutive regimes have no respect for Wayne Gallman." Really, by the way, Allen, it might even be three regimes. Remember, he was there for the end of the, uh, the McAdoo one, too. And here's my only theory on it. Wayne Gallman, if you if you know him and you're around him enough, and I'm at, look, I'm not super close to him. I don't know him that well. But from being around him enough for these past couple of years, he's one of those guys, he, he's kind of quiet, and it, there's a little nonchalance to him. And that nonchalance kind of thing, and Olivier Vernon had it, too. It's the kind of thing that coaches hate because they could easily confuse it with indifference, that people don't care. So I, I, th- I think that's it. I really do. Now, he's not the best catcher of the ball. I don't think they fully trust him as a pass blocker either. That actually, that absolutely also factors into the equation. So uh, at Fishy Fishy, here Fishy from Twitter says, rank the 2020, 19, and 18 Giants from worst to best teams. Now, this is a tough one, okay? But... I think, now I said there's optimism with this team, but I don't think they're the best team because without Saquon right now, they're a pretty bad team. I still think they're better defensively this year than every other year, so I'm going to put this in the middle. 2018, when Saquon was a rookie, still had Eli as their quarterback, I'm going to say that was probably their best of the three teams. And 2019, even though they were 2-6 and and had the best record of the three teams, I'm going to say that was the worst of the three teams. That defensive talent level last year, think about it. I listed all the improvements they've made on defense talent-wise this year. Think about how bad that team was defensively last year, talent-wise. I mean, just awful. Poor James Betcher just had nothing, nothing to work with. I mean, I don't care who you are. There's no defensive coordinator in the world that ever existed. That could have had success with that Giants defensive talent last year. It was so bad. So look at some of their starters. I mean, DeAndre Baker wasn't even good. Uh, Antoine Bethay, he was starting. I mean, Sam Beal was being thrown in there. Who said he's any good just because he was a supplemental pick? I mean, just go up and down. Uh, Alec Ogletree was the middle linebacker. Playing next to him starting the season was Tay Davis. He's a special teamer. Uh, David Mayo started a good chunk of games. He's a backup now this year. Uh, I mean, just go on and on. Lorenzo Carter was a young player. O'Shane Zimenez was a rookie third-round pick out of Old Dominion playing a significant role. And just go on and on and on. They only had Leonard Williams for half that year. So that team, to me, was the worst. Uh, Even though their record, ironically, was the best of the three. At Randall Clean says... When the San Francisco Giants are in town, do they hang out with the New York Giants? 
Like when you're playing in town, playing the Yankees or Mets, do the two teams ever have dinner together or what? Thanks, Jordan. I really don't know what Randall's getting at here. Like, why would the Giants get together with the... No, I'm just kidding. I, I know where you're going here. This is the old, you know, Francesa, like, what? Why? What are you asking that question for? Like, huh? What are you asking that? And so, you know, like the old, uh, you know, you think you're going to just get me to talk about something stupid? I mean, I, I, I get the humor, though. And by the way, I do find humor in that. That was an amazing clip. And if you really want to, you know, get a good laugh, go search uh, Mike Francesca, Mike Francesca, Mike Francesca, uh, San Francisco Giants, New York Giants, and you'll 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 laugh at that. And it's good to laugh once in a while because look, we're in the entertainment business. This is football in the in the end, and so how, you got to have a good time with it. So, next question at W Tondo says biggest need going to twenty twenty one, and what early draft pick can fulfill it? Wow, the biggest need to me is a defensive playmaker. Uh, a guy who can really, really make a defense a difference on that side of the ball. I mean, we, we've I know yes they could use a wide receiver and the guy from LSU, uh, Jamar Chase. That would be great. Uh, another offensive tackle could never hurt. But I mean, you're hoping that Matt Pert and Andrew Thomas are the answers there. So right now, knowing what I know, they need a defensive playmaker. The question is, who is that guy this year? And that that's and I don't really know in the draft. I'm talking about. I don't really know the answer to that. I really, really don't. I mean, there's no, like, Chase Young in this year's draft, I don't think. We'll find out in the coming months, but as far as I know. So, uh, I can't really pinpoint a guy. But give me any defensive position, any player where the guy is just a true dog, like a real difference maker. By, by that, I mean an all-pro pro bowler. At data, Shark 112 says, based on the move the Giants have made, claiming Jabal Sheard, Pettis, etc., do you get the feeling that judges' influence and personnel moves is greater than the public thinks Gettleman being phased out? I don't think that. These are just bit moves. People always make too much of these bottom-of-the-roster moves. The Giants are just trying to get guys that are familiar with what they're doing or that they see talent in and that maybe they could pull something out of it. Joe Judge, yes, I think they ask him and he sees, okay, maybe we can make this, get some, uh, you know, the punt return out of Pettis or something like that. Or Jabal Sheard kind of knows the defense. There's the whole pandemic thing, the COVID restrictions and protocols. you got to get a guy in quick so they get guys with uh, knowledge of the defense. But to me, where I look at it and say, okay, I see – I wouldn't say Gettleman being phased out, but Joe Judge and his staff having more input, is if you look at the free agent signings. In the past few two years, Dave Gettleman falls for the banana and the tailpipe pipe, and he goes for these names – Oh, let's get Nate Solder. He's this big left tackle. Who cares that he's 30 years old? And quite frankly, the real people inside the NFL, the talent evaluators, knew he wasn't that good. Ooh, let's go get Golden Tate. That's a big name, splashy name. Let's fill Odell Beckham uh, spot, even though he's 30-plus. Let's go get Alec Ogletree. Yeah, 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 that guy. Uh, even though the Rams obviously knew that he wasn't very good. This year they went and got James Bradbury, who was not a household name at all, who the Giants coaching staff I know – thought fit their scheme well, or that he could fit into what their scheme was well. Blake Martinez knew the scheme well, knew, had that familiarity with with defensive coordinator Patrick Graham. So that, to me, is where I think I've seen the biggest impact. So, uh, Next question, at Mara Must Sell, is Golden Rates contract voidable? It obviously means Golden Tate. Uh, I believe it is voidable once once, uh, last year went through, uh, once he got suspended. But... I think that he still qualifies this year once he's on the 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 active roster for week one, then his contract for this year gets guaranteed. But they can get rid of him in the future without any, you know, penalty. Uh, now that they in regards to guaranteed money, so they won't owe him any money. They can get out of that contract pretty easily right now. I don't think it's something that's going to affect this team. Moving forward, I think it's a pretty easy cut-and-try move when it comes to Golden Tate that he probably won't be with the Giants next year. Uh, $9 million, or 8.5, I believe it is, they owe him next year. Uh, that's a lot of money. That's something that they're not going to – That I mean, his a third receiver doesn't get paid $9 million, $8.5 million. No way. So that, that seems like a pretty easy decision. Nate Solder, on the other hand, because everything was pushed back a year in his contract, becomes a much more difficult decision. 
Final question at Peter Fleming on Instagram. It says, if DJ, Daniel Jones, of course, continues to turn the ball over at the same rate in the second half of the season, do you honestly think Mara would sign off on drafting another quarterback? Is that a decision he would put fully in the hands of a new GM? I do believe he would put that decision. Look, you can. it's the coach and general manager's job to bring John Mara in ownership the information and say, here's why we need to do this. We need to sign off. And I do think it's not a big money thing. Remember, like, yeah, if you go and, and fire Joe Judge right now, there's a big money component to it because you owe him now, you know, X number of years remaining in his contract. Daniel Jones, it wouldn't be a huge money thing to move on from Daniel Jones. It's more of we're putting the, we're turning the clock back two more years in the rebuild here of the Giants franchise. But if there's a new general manager here with Joe Judge, remember, neither of these two guys drafted Daniel Jones. So I don't think that's something that John Marrow would say is non-negotiable, and I need a guy who's sold on Daniel Jones, especially if he plays like poop the next eight games because he hasn't played well the first eight games. I don't think you could realistically and sit here and not have questions about the quarterback position even if it's John Maurer or anyone in the Giants organization. Trust me, they, they know this, the turnovers is a problem. They know. Everybody knows. Anyone with eyes can see it. And you're going to say, I know, but so everyone with eyes could see that they should have rebuilt two years ago also. The Eli Manning equation made everything more difficult for this organization. Daniel Jones does not have the equity built that Eli Manning does. If the new coach, I mean, new coach being Joe Judge, who, who new coach for considering he didn't draft Daniel Jones. If the coach that's here and a new general manager who he wasn't involved in that drafting decision said we need to move on from this, we have a chance at Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields. These guys have upsides way higher than Daniel Jones. That's a decision I think that John Mara will easily be able to sign and the rest of ownership will be able to sign off on. So I wouldn't, I don't think that'll be a problem. All right, that's the end of the Giants After Dark. On to the next one. Feeling like you need a marketing degree and an extra day in your week to successfully market your small business? Let Constant Contact do the heavy lifting for you. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has powerful tools that make it easy to grow your audience, engage your customers, and sell more to boost your business. Now, in just a few clicks, you can launch a marketing campaign that's tailored to your business and goals. That includes email, social, SMS, and more. So you can sell more, raise more, and fast-track your business growth. Plus, you can always count on Constant Contact's award-winning customer support for guidance along the way. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Constant Contact. Helping the small stand tall. All right, let's wrap up this episode with a quick Jordan on the beat. This is where I tell you a story of what it's like to kind of cover the New York Giants, to work for ESPN, to cover the NFL in general. And I'll tell you a quick a quick story because Don brought up that was the stupidest question I ever that was ever asked. And I responded uh, on Twitter at one point and saying, hey, I've, trust me, I've asked stupider questions, dumber questions. And <laughs> that is 100,000% true. Uh, I mean, I could think you have to understand a lot of times you're, you're trying to juggle three different things. Um, you know, you're trying to tweet, write down notes, you know, collect the important parts and while you're doing some other stuff, you might be tuning out the, the whoever's up there speaking. I mean, for Dave Gettleman's introductory press conference alone, I re-asked the question that was already asked to him at one point. I mean, he pointed it out in front of everyone. He's like, Jordan, I already answered that question. I mean, that was, that was flat stupid. I mean, probably didn't help that relationship from the start probably warned them about me they probably had you know you know me on like a warning sign for like a, like a bank robber in the facility for dave gettleman to look at before he goes up there and then i go and ask a stupid question like that i mean so these kind of things happen i mean ben mcadoo probably thinks i asked a stupid question although this actually wasn't a stupid question but it always brings me back when we're talking about questions asked i asked him really the most basic question after they got blown out one game and it produced one of the best responses ever it was like you know they played an awful first half they got their butts kicked and i just said to McAdoo after the game, you know, what did, what did you say to your team at halftime? And that's the one where he turned and he just looked at me and he said, bit his lip and said, um, and then dead silence. Nothing. <laughs> Go look up that clip. Maybe I'll, I'll post it uh, with this, uh, <laughs> with this um, 
podcast when it, when it, when it, when it goes live, uh, because that was just a, a classic, uh, McAdoo right there moment. I, it actually was like a three year anniversary of that cause it popped up on my Facebook probably a couple weeks ago. And ironically, I, I sent it to Ben McAdoo. It was like, you know, this is in a, in a joking way, uh, because we do still keep in touch. And I was like, uh, yep, this happened three years ago. Legendary moment. Just Ben sitting up there going, um, and then deciding, you know what? It's better off in this instance that I say nothing at all than I say what's truly on my mind. And, you know, these things happen on both ends. So press conferences are a funny little thing. Strange things can happen at press conferences. All right, Giants play the Washington football team this week. Both teams not very good. Giants the worst team. But guess what? Daniel Jones, since winning his first career start against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, has won. That's his only career win against a team that isn't Washington. He's 3-0 and against Washington during that span, and now let's see, uh, I don't know, 0-15 against everybody else. So he, he can't, if there's a defense that he's going to do well against, it's the Washington defense. And I know they're a pretty decent defense, but I'm actually picking the Giants in this one. Uh, Giants 23, Washington football team 17. All right, Giants do enough. Defense has played really, really well at times lately. They could shut down Kyle Allen and this Washington football team. Expect them to double-team Terry McLaurin, uh, much like they did last time, maybe a safety over the top. Uh, and, you know, this Washington football team just does not have a ton of weapons. So I'd see the Giants doing just enough. This is a team that, quite frankly, they're probably better than you can't say, and I know there are underdogs in this game, but you can't say that about many teams. And I know Washington's records probably is better right now. It is better, not probably, but it is better. So uh, I got the Giants in this one. And that's it for this episode of Breaking Big Blue. As always, reach out to me, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, everywhere you can. Uh, throw your questions my way. I'll do my best to answer them. And like this podcast. Tell everybody about it. About it. It's available on all podcast flat, plat, 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 platforms. I'm your host, Jordan Ronan. See you next time.